everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, in Ohio, the outside is trying to actively kill me. Seasonal allergies have reared their ugly heads, so if I sound extra flummy tonight, that's why. But I also refuse to close the windows, so there's that. Yeah, between the crazy allergens and the 20-degree temperature differences every day, it's, <laughs> it's a, a little crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm used to that in all seasons. <laughs> but, oof, yeah, it is it is rough here for us allergy sufferers. Sufferers, sufferers. I don't know. I'm taking, like, pills at night, no spray in the day, other stuff. I mean... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you do it. That has to be terrible. <laughs> it's not great. It's not great. But itchy eyes, like, ugh. and I want to spend time out in nature because it's beautiful. You know, I love spring. Things are growing. Those things also want to kill me. So, you know, just a trade off, I guess. But other than that, yeah, everything is great. <laughs> I don't want to be like a Debbie Downer at the beginning of our podcast. Yeah, you do. I don't. I really, really don't. I don't. I just have nothing else to say. And I suppose if I have nothing else good to say, I might as well move on. And let's go right to news. I have... um two things on Kickstarter that I'm actually really excited about. And one I almost didn't talk about just because it doesn't need the press. It doesn't need to be on Kickstarter. I mean, that's like a whole nother debate, like who should be using Kickstarter. And it's probably not Direwolf. But I can't help but be excited about Clank Legacy 2 Acquisitions Incorporated Darkest Magic. Um, If you listened to us for a while, you know we really loved Acquisitions Incorporated, the first Clank Legacy. We played through a campaign not once, but twice. Um, And still, like the second time, I had forgotten some things. And a couple times I deliberately made different choices or the, you know, we let the people that we were playing the, the campaign with kind of make the choices instead of us. Um... And it was still, it was just super, it was so enjoyable. And I was like, yes, another one. I can't wait. Why are we on Kickstarter and why are we so expensive? But man, do I want it. Um, So this one, very much in some ways, like the first, you've got your four character journals, you've got the miniatures, you've got your little tuck boxes with stuff in it. You've got a double-sided map. Um, You've got your clank board. You've got tokens and cubes and more new adventure cards and a cardporium. All those fun things. But now we have boss decks, which is new. So you've got these boss battles. So each of the big baddies brings their own abilities and challenges. So they've got cards kind of coming out that are related to them, which is interesting. Um, There's three different bosses. One is called Cavities. (laughs) I don't understand what that means. What's scarier than anything? Nothing. The cavities have nothing to spare, bring nothing to the table, and leave nothing behind. I don't know what that means, but I'm intrigued. Um, Another thing I saw that was different, besides kind of the different characters, was they've got some cooperative scenarios. 
So you can get completely different starting decks to play cooperatively. Um, and like there are new ways that you can help other people. Like, um, like there's like cards that you can get, like you may choose to make two clank to teleport another player to your space, or you may choose to make two clank to give two healing to another player in a selfless act. So I think that's kind of cool. Not that, I mean, again, we don't always love cooperative, but it doesn't, it's not all cooperative. Um, but it just looks like more clanky legacy goodness. Um, and and it, it looks, it looks just as good as the first. So if you like the first, definitely check it out. Um, if you didn't play, get to play the first one. You could get it. With this Kickstarter. Good luck. Because <laughs> you can't get it anywhere else, basically. It is rough out there. But maybe maybe something will show up. I don't know. So there are five days left on this Kickstarter by the time the episode drops. And just to get the new version, Clank Legacy 2 Acquisitions Incorporated Darkest Magic, it is $99. Yeah, that... I mean, I want this real bad. And the fact that it doesn't... Well, that it's not saying that it uses catacombs tiles makes me real happy. But this price point is insanity. Considering the fact that we got our last copy for no more than $40. And, I mean, 100 just seems a little ridiculous. And I think it's the Kickstarter price. I get all that. But there's no, like, Kickstarter exclusives. It is what it is. So I don't understand the justification well, I mean- of this. There are some, I don't know if they're Kickstarter, there are some stretch goals that are unlocked that look really cool. Yeah, but those should be included in every game now at this point. Well, there's like some promo bundles and stuff that I don't know if they are. Um, there's some Either foil way, cards, which that's not worth $99. The only thing that I think, there is a companion app with audio support, which I think is interesting for this. Um the other thing that is unlocked as a stretch goal that's cool is a dual layered health track upgrade. Yeah, that that's nice. That's been needed for a long time. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, and then you can also add on card sleeves in three designs, but backers get a 25% discount on backer kit. Well, there's something. Yeah, how about a 50% discount? No, I mean, they also have custom metal coins to add on for $18. Which that's only if you're a backer because you get 40% discount off the $30 MSRP of those. Yeah, so, so you're saying you get that in the metal coins. You're looking at 130 bucks. Wait, you can add premium metal cube add-on, which I think is cool. But that's $35 because you get 30% off the $50 MSRP for that that's one. That's insanity. We're never going to play this game unless we find it for dirt cheap somewhere. That's, I know. And that's terrible because I love the first one. I want to play this one real bad. But I can't. $100? Uh, granted, you're getting 12, 13 games. I understand that. But considering I got the last one for 40, this makes this one a little bit hard to swallow, in my opinion. Yeah, if you want both the first version and the second version, it's $179, which the MSRP for both is 225 but still. <laughs> yep, that's the, that's the way it's going now. So say goodbye to the $5 Black Friday deals. Hello to the $100 <laughs> per, per game. I mean, it's not like we don't have enough games to play now, games that we haven't played. So I, I guess the pricing is just forcing us to stop buying more games. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But that doesn't change the fact that I really want to play this. <laughs> I know. I really want to play, too. I, honestly, I actually really want to play 
the first one again um, with some of our friends that are are kind of new to gaming because like I don't remember hardly anything and my choices are just whatever so I would totally play that again but you can't even find that yeah and I don't think you can buy that by itself right you have to get both of them together um, you know I'm not sure because they Cause said if oh could... if you're new to Clank they show like all the Clanks yeah um, yeah. but I, I'm not sure I didn't really look into that because I was like hey I, I have this <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, true. I, I, let me see now now i'm curious since you said something i mean it's obviously super funded so other people are willing to pay for it um more power to them i wish i could because it's on kickstarter and it's got fomo going and they threw in some minis for good measure that's the things that you get you know that's how you fund on kickstarter oh you know what? I, I don't know they just talk about all the different types of clank I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I mean, if you could get the the original one by itself, that wouldn't be too bad. It doesn't seem like it that I can find, but what do I know? Nothing. But check it out. If 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 you have a great game budget, Clank Legacy 2, man, check it out. And if you live close to us, we'll play it with you, for real. It's true. <laughs> or the first one. We'll play the first one with you, too, for that matter. Get them both. We'll hang out for both. Okay, so that's all I have to say about that. It's just one that I want, and I have to accept that I probably will not get it ever. Like a lot of Vitella Serta games. Yeah, uh, like yeah, all those. Yep, that's true. Moving on. Moving on. This next game, I am super excited about. Like, this is one where I almost want to go out and back it myself, which I've only done one time in my life. Um, and it was a very scary experience. But this theme is so... For me, okay, well, it's not Asian, but it matches a lot of my literary taste. I'll say that. It's called Botany, Flower Hunting in the Victorian Era. Um, and actually, I'm this intrigues me because there is um, a book series that uh, actually a friend of our show sent me the first book, uh, I think. No, maybe not. No, you bought me. It's actually a second book in the series. I didn't know that. But it's about a woman who's a botanist. And she gets into all sorts of hijinks in the Victorian era. And this reminded me of it. And it's so awesome. So this is Victorian era. You are going around the world. You're going on these expeditions to collect uh, specimens. So you've got an estate back home where you're going to return your specimens to there. So when you start out, you're going to get your wardian case. Um, you've got like a press book. Um your specimens are worth more if they come back in the wording case, but you don't have as much room. You can always press them into a press book. So you're trying to collect some specimens. You start out with like four. There are some poisonous specimens. So you can, that or can, you can sabotage another player or you can press them and they're only worth a point. Or if you collect them, you can get purchase a poisonous path card and they all turn to positive points, which is, I'm like, that is so intriguing, right? Um, you have to fund your expedition. So you have to like pay money and your estate is trying to earn money. But you also have to bring back specimens in order to, to keep the funding for your expeditions going. And you've got to travel. So events are happening during travel. You're moving around. You're setting sail to different places. I think you can move like three, up to three spaces to get specimens. Um, trying to collect those assignments. And then you have to get, plan a route to get back home and hope that you have enough money to get back home. 
your estate is earning some income to fund future escapades, but it's not earning a ton. Uh, you can also purchase things um, that might help you, like hunting dogs is, or something to help you with like track down specimens or whatever. Um, you get your warding case full. You're going to have to come back, begin your journey at your estate. You're going to say, okay, I brought my specimens back. You're going to sell them. You can get reputation if you've got like live specimens that come back. Um you can sabotage other people's estates, get your estate income, you know, cycle your specimen cards, get some garden features. Like it's like everything that really happened. Like, and a lot of the stuff is based on like real life events. Cause there were people in the Victorian era going out and collecting specimens. They're like crazy. They're like going on safaris, whatever, bringing back all these specimens to England. Um, and so you've got like character abilities and stuff. Like it's just such an, it's super nerdy. I get this super nerdy theme, but such an interesting one. And so it's kind of a race to get 12 reputation. Um, that's when it, well, the game ends when it's 12 reputation. And then like you're seeing who has the most points, like what kind of valuable specimens. There's also bonus cards. And then if you have the most points, you get the queen's prize in botany to win the game. Um, I freaking, I freaking love that. Like, I am so excited about this game. I, and it's got like Victorian era art. So it's very on theme, on brand for the time that it's representing. Like I am pumped, right? This, I, I don't even, I mean, I like plants and I, I don't grow anything. I want to, I like to look at them. I, I like to read books about people collecting specimens in Victorian England. Like, Oh my gosh, I just, there's something about this that's totally dragging me in. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, you know, it's some kind of set collection, but also some programming and, um, you know, some hand management type stuff. Check out Botany, Flower Hunting, the Victorian Era. There are 11 days left on that Kickstarter. And at least for a good while, they have several copies that are $39. Yeah, I wonder why the Victorian era. I think just because it's hot, maybe. You mean know. like right now? No, why this game is set in the Victorian era. Because people did this. That, like, that's when people do it. Like, right now, I mean, I'm sure some people go off and get specimens, but we import a lot more, you know, specimens. We've learned how to grow them, and, like, people understand greenhouses better and, you know, things like that. So this was the time, this is, you know, when the British Museum is like taking artifacts from the people's native lands and saying, oh, look, this is just laying here. Let's take it back to England. Make everybody look at it. They're like taking mummies and bringing them back to England, like uh, having unwrapping parties and like other crazy sherbet things that they were doing. And also this botany was was one of them. Ah, the good old days. <laughs> so for a while, they have like 3,000 copies that are going to be 39 bucks for VIP special. And then um, it moves up to 55 bucks. But I still feel like it's really reasonable. And that's really cool. I need to look up this one because it sounds cool. Like it's a cool premise. Dude. I want to yes, see what it looks like. I seriously want this. I even, the box art looks cool too. Look it up. I'm looking it up right now. We can look it up while uh, I'll look it up while you're talking about your thoughts on this next deal that I'm going to talk about. All right. So check that out. Botany, Flower Hunt, Victoria Era, Victorian Era, 11 days, $39. And that's all I have for Kickstarters today. 
All right, so let's talk about some games that we played. And this first one, we're just going to start it off with a bang. Because <laughs> this first one is all the rage. And it's the like the game of the decade, apparently. Um, will you calm down? I mean, it's good. I like it. And it's called Earth. So we played Earth. That's right. We played it. Uh, and Earth is a game about basically Earth. building a... <laughs> yeah, a tableau of earth. You're planting things. You're making terrains. Uh, you're, it's basically a four by four grid. That's what you're doing, and you're trying to get cards placed so they score points, fire off actions appropriately, because you fire off all your actions from left to right, top to bottom, and some cards are going to score based on what they're next to and all that kind of thing. So, it's one of those games where uh, the way that the game works is everyone, someone's going to pick an action. They're going to get to do a better version of that action than everyone else gets to do a similar weaker action based on what that person picks. So like San Juan, Arc Nova, all that kind of thing. Actually, I don't know if Arc Nova does that. Um, San Juan, Puerto Rico, that kind of thing. And then uh, you're trying to doesn't. basically get soil. You're trying to get sprouts, I think, or the little mm-hmm. green cubes. And you're trying to grow vegetation on these different cards. That's what's actually going to grow, like pieces that will build up on your cards to score points. Uh, you're also trying to compost, which means basically remove cards from the game, put them in a pile, score a pile of points. And you're going to do this by one of the four actions at the top. Uh, every action is also going to have a color that associates with it. So every color that you've planted in your grid of that's associated with that will also fire off. So you're just trying to build this huge engine, shoe tableau to score points based on some in-game go- goals that you were provided at the beginning and some community scoring goals that are out in the center of the table. Um yeah, that's it. Just an awesome tableau builder. Tons of possibilities. There's a bajillion cards, just like Terraforming Mars and Arc Nova and all those kinds of things. And so many possibilities, so many things you can do. Uh, we played one time, and I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface of all the options that we could have done. It was so good. Um, I like this 100 times better than Arc Nova, cause, mostly because it's shorter and a little more streamlined. And I, I like that a little bit. So, Earth... Great game, in my opinion. So how did you feel about Earth? Well, I um, liked Arc Nova more than you did. But after playing Earth, I'm like, okay, I don't want to play Arc Nova anymore. I want to play Earth instead. It's it, Arc Nova is too clunky. It's like what Terraforming Mars was before they kind of got you that, like, get up. Prelude. Yeah, for Prelude. I was like, what is it called? That get up. Oh my god. Get gosh. up. Terraforming Mars, the get up version. <laughs> you, no, it helps you like get up. Like get up and I <laughs> just stop. Just stop. I'm gonna start marketing that. It'd be awesome. <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, I want this I want this game plus the get up starter pack. Um yeah, because it, it just it does take too long. I like it. Like, so it it doesn't matter to me that it takes longer, but if you have anyone that even slightly doesn't think about their turn ahead of time, it takes a billion years and you want to punch them. Um, but you don't feel that way as much with Earth because it does move a lot quicker because um, you're limited to this four by four grid of cards. I It does what I love, the mechanic that I love where you're like trying to lay things to like double like 
bonuses and scoring opportunities off of every card played and so it hits multiple ways and and you want things to trigger other things so you've got like this this engine shooting off that's like feeding you points and all these different ways i yes like this is so good for me like it just i i don't know i don't want to say like (laughs) i can't say it this is a family show um, <laughs> yeah, don't don't say it. I'm gonna say I it. Um, I don't know what you're gonna say, but I can imagine what you're gonna say. No, like like you know, like it just it just hits all the right spots. Like, and at the end, it's almost an orgasmic experience when you're doing the scoring, and you're like, yes, all these like lined up. Yes, I fed all my sprouts, and my sprouts got because of this card, and that's when this this particular. Act, it's just like. Yeah, it was good. It was real good. And I can see it even getting better over time. Because again, you don't have control over the goals as much. um, Because you've got your personal goals as well. The cards that you get. So you're like, okay, am I going to cycle cards some more? Am I going to compost cards more? Um, Am I going to use because like you have those choices, like you can get plants that will ask you to pay for things by compost by using your compost pile or by using your sprouts you know or by using your growth and those are all things that are also points so it's like do i sacrifice this is it worth it can i get it back in time like oh my gosh yes yes i really enjoyed this i would like to own this now um because it does the things i love about terraforming mars and the things i love about arc nova but i feel like does it in like the most streamlined way possible it's yes it was good yeah it, it <laughs> are you gonna edit good. me out <laughs> like, no i'm gonna leave it in it's fine um <laughs> yeah, yeah i do like earth and i think i don't in terra um terra nova arc nova uh not Mixed everybody gets to take an action each turn right no because i think it's just i take an action and then you have to wait till i'm done yes so that's kind of yes. where earth is better too because everybody's doing something every single turn which makes games even if they are longer not feel as long and i appreciate that all right so next up is an older game i don't know when it came out but it's more than a year old so it's older and it is thunderstone quest this is a game i think from aeg um a huge deck building game with some dungeon crawling aspects but effectively what you're doing is on your turn you're going to decide if you want to go to the village which is like markets buying cards upgrading heroes or if you're going to go fight monsters in the dungeon. And then you're going to be playing cards from your hand for um, heroes and weapons to attack these monsters. Try to get uh, rewards. Maybe take some damages. Uh, but ultimately you're trying to kill monsters because you got to get into these three decks to get keys. And you have to get keys out because that's going to trigger the end of the game to let it be able to fight the big boss. So it's a the village board is basically a standard deck building game. Go there, spend some money, buy some cards. Um, but the dungeon part is a little bit different because you got to use lanterns to go down deep into the dungeon because it gets dark each of the rooms are going to have some different kind of special ability that are going to be bad usually um and then you're just hoping that you can have enough attack in your hand to fight them and you're going to keep doing that until the big bad has been defeated and then whoever has the most points after all that is the winner Uh, i like this game i played it twice now this the second time was a lot faster than the first time um which I do appreciate, but 
Yeah, and we played with the um, the version where every card is different, which also can maybe slow it down a little bit because every card's different and you don't know what you're looking at. But I like deck builders. I like deck builders with boards. I like the fighting monsters aspect of it. I don't really like dungeon crawlers, but this one euroizes that, and I appreciate that. So I enjoy this game, and you know I wouldn't mind playing it again sometime. So how'd you feel about this one? I didn't like it. I I wanted to because I love deck builders, but because there's so many different cards, it was hard to get the right synergy, and I felt like it was hard to know what to go after. And I just I felt like I I just wasn't being successful in any place I tried. And I, I don't know if that would change if I played it again and maybe different cards came out and they just worked in different ways. If maybe I learned something. I mean, I guess I'm willing to give it another go, but even like to fight the big boss felt kind of anticlimactic for me. I don't know. It just, it, maybe I went in with wrong expectations, but it wasn't really what I wanted. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's ultimately just a deck builder. You're trying to score points. And I think the monsters just break up some of that monotony a little bit. Um, so that, that's kind of why I like it. Okay. You're allowed to. No, no, it's fine. I mean, we don't <laughs> own it anyway, so that's That's fine. true. Um, so the next game is a Stefan Feld game. And it's a a weird Steffenfeld game. It's a card game only. And it is called Coco Pelli. And in this game, let me try to explain it because it's really weird. In this game, you have a little board in front of you that's going to have five um, spaces to put cards. Four spaces to put cards. Possibly five. And then each of the your opponents, you're going to be able to play on two of their sports four spaces. So you have technically eight places that you can play cards. And what you're trying to do is you are trying to open ceremonies on your board, which every ceremony is going to have a different special power. It's going to give you points or some other thing. And you're also trying to close the ceremonies down on your board and your opponent's board. Because if once four cards of the same type has been played, that closes it. You get points and... It's a race to try to get the most points. Once you close the ceremony, there's this little these little boards in the middle that have to- point tokens. You take the top token. Once a certain number of ceremonies have been closed, uh, the game immediately ends. And, uh, once they've been closed twice, the game will immediately end. Um, you're doing one of like six things in your turn. It's pretty simple to do, but um, there's a lot of thinking going on, and it's a failed game. But the issue is the rules are kind of convoluted. They don't really explain some of the scenarios, so you got to kind of just make your best judgment and hope that you're doing it correctly. But outside of that, I like this. feels kind of Lost Cities-esque from Knizia, the way the card play works, but and it feels doesn't feel like a fell game at all. Maybe he was trying something different, but I do enjoy this one. So how did you feel about Coco Pelli? It was fine. Um, I think that the cards, the art is cool. It's like a cool different theme. Um, I just feel like it's not very well thought out. Like some things just you're like, oh, can I put this here? Well, yeah, because you can break the rules. But then going forward, it's like, well, that's always there. And it's like messing up the rules. And that's not really where it's supposed to be. And I don't. So I don't I don't like that. Um, I mean, I won this game. So normally I like games that I win. Uh but it it just wasn't it was okay it was just okay i guess i'll leave it at that i don't know yeah, what else to say about it the weird thing is like in this game you have a play area and you have um 
your village or something like that. Your village or your four, the play area are the eight that you can reach. So you're not going to have multiples of the same type of card in your play area, in your direct four or your eight. But I played a card onto an opponent's that caused them to have double in a section that I couldn't reach. And the rule book doesn't explain that. So it's, they had two cards of the same thing, breaking some rules, and it just kind of got a little gray there. But, yeah. So the rules are a little hazy, but, yeah, I like it. It's Feld, so he knows what he's doing. Oh, my gosh. Of course. Spoken like a true Feld fanboy. <laughs> Feld can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Except sure. for a few games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's all the games. Let's just keep going. All right, so last week we started talking about, of course, a very controversial topic, things uh, every ga- games every gamer should own. Now, again, we don't get to stamp our seal on, on board game boxes and make them sell more. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but you are trying to look at some, we think are basic, good mechanics, um, that exists in games that we think if you're kind of building game collection or you're trying to like make sure you have games that really appeal to a good general audience, that these are the ones we think we think you should own. You are free to disagree with us and I will fight you on the socials. <laughs> um, but actually like we really like these games and I, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, these games are not necessarily our favorite games of the different mechanics. I mean, some of them might be, but in general, it's games that we know are readily available, uh, that we have played and taught to people of all different levels of gaming, and everyone, they've, they've gone over well. Um, especially because we do teach a lot of kind of non-gamers or like novice gamers, um, And so we want to have games that are accessible for them, but that are still really fun for us. So that's really where these lists are coming out of. So our first game mechanic that we're going to talk about, games that we think you should own for this mechanic, is drafting. Uh, And also on this list, Jason took most of the ones that I actually wanted. So my choices are kind of not as great, but that's all right. Sorry. Go for it, babe. All right. So my number uh, one doesn't numbers don't matter my drafting <laughs> game is actually a game that you can get at target from phil walker harding it is called planted and this game is i mean it's amazing production but it's a super easy to get to the table easy to teach game what you're doing is well, drafting you have a hand of cards you're going to be passing them around taking one passing around until you've seen a bunch of cards and gotten one card out of each of these hands in this one what you're trying to do is you're trying to make uh, get different plants and make them grow by getting plant food, water, sunlight, green thumbs to help you be a better planter, maybe some score in-game scoring, and you're just trying to have the most points at the end of the game. Uh, but this one's easy to teach. It models after one kind of that Katie's going to talk about on hers, um, but it takes it a little bit farther, adds a little more depth to it, has great art, fantastic production. Uh, every time we played it, it's gone over pretty well, and... I like it. This is actually one of my favorite drafting games. I do like this one. So my drafting is planted. It's good. What I like the most about this one, not only is it easy to get, but it's um, like so tactile. Like the stuff is really great. I just, when I went to, (laughs) we tried to, you know, think ahead and 
do an outline for our, our shows. I have two games listed for this next, for this particular mechanic. And I honestly don't know which to choose. <laughs> so Let's talk about them both. It's fine. It's my show. I can do whatever I want. So I have two. Two drafting games that I think are good. And um, sometimes, again, for me, I think the key when you want to get people to play a game is to find an IP or a theme that really resonates with them and that gets them excited. And then you sneakily get them into hobby gaming. That's how to do it. So given that this has become more popular, unlike when I was a child and people thought I was weird, Sushi Go is my go-to drafting game. Um, we have the big box. What is it called? Sushi. What's the big Sushi box? Sushi Go Party. Sushi Go Party. So I'm like, oh, is that a party game? It just gives you more card you know, choices. It just plays more people, too. And you've got more card choices to play, and you can like land a little menu. Yeah, sushi is like suddenly popular. It's a cool thing. It's like so healthy or whatever. Um, when I was a kid, eating seaweed and raw fish, it was weird. But hey, that's what Japanese people do. I didn't know any better. But now it's all the rage. Great. So Sushi Go and the artwork on this so flipping adorable. Like in Sushi Go Party, the miso soup, it looks like it could be my grandfather, my little Asian granddad. It's so cute. I'm like, who would eat this? This adorable sushi. Um, the drafting, it's fun. It's simple. And also it goes by quickly. So a lot of times you could just play one round so people see how the drafting goes. And they're like, oh, okay, I totally get it. And then you can take off. And then plus, if they like sushi or any of that, they're like, oh, look at this cute. Oh, look at these little edamame beans. Oh, look at this adorable. Look, it's tea. I mean, it's just it's just cute. You just It's pudding. You just love it. Um, so that makes drafting really fun. However, if they are not into sushi, a lot of people are into dinosaurs with the jurassic park franchise that has been a part of our lifetime well at least people my age draftosaurus is such a fun little drafting game it's quick and light and you don't have to pass around a bunch of cards you reach into a bag with a bunch of little dino meeples and then you pass around dino meeples and they're so cute and actually this game is like redonk cheap for what it is at least what i'm looking at right now yeah, 20 bucks or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's so much fun because you're picking out these adorable little dino meeples, which come, of course, Ant- Antoine Bowser, Ludovic Moblon. I mean, it's it's my boys. Like, there's some good good peeps behind this. It's not just like, oh, dinosaurs. It's like, it's it's um, Dinosaur Island light, light. So you have to roll a die in your turn to decide where the dinos have to go. And then you pick a dinosaur from your hand and you put it in a pin to score. That's it. And then you pass the bunch of dino meeples from your palm to the next person. And they're, they're so cute. They've got some um, expansions to this, like water dinosaurs and flying dinosaurs. And like, who doesn't want to draft little dinosaur meeples? Like, of course I make mine like roar at each other and, you know, kiss on the bridge and find love and eat the grass. You know, you know how I do. But it's just, it's light and playful. Again, over very quickly. Easy to play multiple times once people get it. Um, and then fun little dino meeples to draft instead of cards. So, I, yeah, I couldn't decide between the two. So my choices for drafting are Sushi Go or Draftosaurus. 
Yeah, I like Draftosaurus a lot. It's really good. It almost feels like a little roll and write game. Yeah. Uh, but with little people that you're dropping down, little dinosaurs. Little dinosaurs. All right. So up next, we have the party category. No sushi go party, but party as in big groups of people playing a game, having a good time. Doesn't have to be raucous laughter, but just accommodate lots of people, have a good time, maybe eat some snacks, have some conversation. That's how kind of how I looked at it. And my party game is a game, I'm not sure how new it is, but I think it's fairly new, and it's called Platypus. Also Phil Walker-Harding, so my list so far is the Phil Walker-Harding list. And this is a game, it's a word game, where someone is going to be the, the I think you're the platypus, I don't know what the theme is, but someone's going to be trying to guess... <laughs> A secret word. Everyone else around the table is going to know it except for this person. There's eight different words, and you're going to just they're going to flip a card, and it could say number three. Now, everyone else is going to have a hand of adjectives that are going to be explaining the word that they're trying to get this person to guess. So say it's um, mummy. That's the word. If I have dry in my hand, I may want to play dry down to point toward a mummy. Or if I have old, I might want to play old down. Or I may not have a card that works at all and I can pass. But if you pass, the player to your left has to play a word. So you're kind of, you know, you don't want to just keep passing willy-nilly because the person next to you is going to start hating you. And it's just a simple game. And they're trying to play until the person either guesses the correct word or they fail. And if you get a certain number right in a certain number of rounds, you score some kinds of points and then you win together or whatever. Uh points don't really matter but it's a super fun game it's always gone over well and i mean it's easy to play and easy to teach so it had to be on my list so my party game is platypus yeah i do i do like platypus a lot um the game that i picked plays can play a ton of people so it's party like and it's also like super engaged like a lot of engagement happening and i've played this with lots of different groups of people uh, I honestly got I taught it to a group and then I just got sucked in. I could not get away. They wanted to play it for hours and hours and hours. And that's just it's just a fun game. It's called Concept. They also have like Concept Kids and like the Concept Kids games like have focuses on like animals or is there just a kids and animals one? I was trying to remember. Uh, Yeah, I think there's a kids. Yeah, I think there are two separate ones. Yeah. But the idea is you have this board and it has pictures of like concepts like man, woman, old, young, colors, um, fictional people, um, movies, yeah. comic books. Yeah. Time, like just all different kinds of things. And you have um, a team that is giving a clue based on a a word or a phrase they've chosen off of their clue card to sh present to you non-verbally using like these little different colored markers to show the key concepts of whatever you're they're, they're trying to get you to guess. Uh, this, you think that it should be simple when you're, ex when you're laying out the clues and then other people are just way off. And all you can say as the clue givers is Yes. Which is sometimes incredibly frustrating. but And then sometimes you just wipe the board and start over. Sometimes people get it like right away. Um, to be honest, it has a really poor point 
system for in the rules. Yeah, it's stupid. It's, it's so dumb. It's dumb. So I just house rule it because like there are some clues. The clues do get progressively harder, but the rules don't have you getting any more points for those harder clues, which is stupid. And it's like having everyone get points like, okay, you guessed it. Your team gets three points, but our team gets two points because you guessed it. And I'm like, what? I so I institute my own rule, my own point system, and I think everyone should. Which everyone's like, oh, well, if you have to house rule, it's not a good game. It is. It is. Uh, just, just someone was not on it with the mathematics, um, and it's so fun. People get so engaged in this, just yelling, shouting things. But it's not. You don't have to act it out. So it's not charades, which some people really don't like and get upset by. Jason. Um, so this is like a nicer alternative to that. The board is big, so it's kind of easy for everyone to see. We played this in like uh, teams of, I think it was teams of two like couples, and there were maybe eight teams or something. Do you remember six teams? Uh, I, I only remember the last time we played when it was two teams of like six. Yeah. And, then, uh, then I've also over here. yeah. Then I've also played that way as well with like just two big teams. I played it with smaller groups of teams. It's it's just it's just fun. Like, how do I explain the concept of Cinderella? Okay, fictional woman. Uh, time is important in there. Okay, blue. now how, blue. Okay, now how do we get you know? And trying to figure out how do I represent this to people? Um, well, she's movies, but also stories, and yeah, it's it's fun. It's really fun. So my party game of choice is concept, and you can get that yeah. like at any like Target and. Yeah, most I think you can get it most places. Yeah, I don't love this as much as you, but I don't I don't also hate it. So that's high praise for me. For <laughs> right. So I don't want to play it for five hours, but you know, an hour or two is fine. I would like there to actually be a scoring, a, a proper scoring at the you know mechanism, so it doesn't have to last forever. So that was a big fail on the designers' parts there. All right. So the next up is tableau building. Uh, and this is when you are basically playing cards in front of you on the table to make like a grid or something to f fire off powers and all that kind of thing. Not an engine builder necessarily, but a tableau where you're limited to how many cards you can place down. And when you play them, something's going to happen. And the game that I picked is Everdell. And this is maybe one of the heaviest ones that I've put on this week's list. Uh, it's not heavy by any means, but it does have a lot of rules. It has a lot of overhead. And what you're doing in this is you are a little critter, a woodland critter, and you are trying to collect different resources out on the board, do some worker placement, which we talked about last time. And then you're going to be using the resources that you get to play cards into your tableau to score points. Um, all the cards have a point. Well, most of the cards have a point value. Some of them will give you extra points for other cards that you may have or some different in-game goal. And you're just going to be going through uh, four seasons. Once the seasons are over, whoever has the most points is the winner. Uh, that's basically the game. On your turn, you're going to place a worker or build a card or pass. That's it. Super easy to play. It has a little bit to teach, so it's not one that I would bust out with everybody. But if you've played some games before and it's a theme that draws you in, this is one that I would definitely bring out to show you how a tableau builder works and see if you dig that. So my tableau builder, Everdell. I, I really like Everdell. It's very accessible. It's kind of expensive, though. 
because we introduced this to this to some people and they really liked it but i'm like oh the price point to get jump into it is wow um but you might be able to find it on sale and it's got a lot of expansions for replayability which is cool so if you really get into it and you want to like soup it up you totally can um, that would probably be my first choice for as Tableau Builders go, although I like some others. They are hard to find. But I really hope you could find I didn't even check to see if you can find mine. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's still available. It's okay. The Tableau Builder I chose is Santa Monica. Um, I love this game. I feel like it does not get enough love. Um, I feel like it does not get enough plays to the table, actually, even for us. Um but so in Santa Monica, you're building a beach and a boardwalk. So you've got these this tableau. It's two cards high, and it can go as wide as you want to. Uh, with, with some exceptions. Yes, yes. Well, you're building towards so many cards, actually. So it can go as wide well, yeah, that, as yeah, I forget true. how many cards it is, 10 or 12 or... Four, I 14, I think. All right, sure, 14. Um, <laughs> but you are wanting to then put pieces of like either beach or boardwalk next to each other that have symbols to give you points. Um, you want to get out tourists and locals and foodies and our VIPs also move them to different areas, have them engage in activities on the beach all in the hope of scoring as many points as possible. So you're trying to draft the right cards to put in your tableau to get it to yield you the best points. It's like a very chill, relaxed kind of game. You've got your fun little meeples move around. I mean, who doesn't love like, oh, look, I'm looking at sandcastles. Look, it's a beach wedding. Like, it's just really cute. Um, I love like the chunky food truck that you got out there. Um, that moves around and can give you and like the sand dollars you can get that allow you to do special things. Um, there's variable in-game goals as well as the points that you can get from the different parts of your tableau. So it's just like a it's a pretty easy chill game, but with a theme I think that everyone likes. Um, and the artwork's really cute. This is from AEG, I'm pretty sure. Um, I just really like this game as a tableau builder. So. My tableau, Santa Monica. My only issue with this one is the scoring is kind of weird with that like chaining mechanism. Like some of the scoring can get funky, hard. but uh, yeah, it's it's a great game. It's super fun. Um, the art is amazing, and everybody's been to a beach and a boardwalk, so you know the theme can resonate with most people. All right, so up next is auction or bidding. Uh, they're two different mechanisms, but they're similar enough, so we lumped them together. You know what an auction is. You go somewhere. You are bidding. Um, I bid five for something. Person next to me bids six dollars. Comes back to me. I don't want it, so they buy it for six dollars. There's your auction. So the game that I picked is a little card game about buying real estate and then selling real estate to earn the most money, and it's called for sale. And what this game is is what I just told you. And there's two phases. The first phase, you are using the money that you have to acquire these different types of properties with different values. Like they range from like zero to like 40 or something like that. And then once all those cards have been bought up through the the auctions, phase two is selling your properties for the most money. There's going to be some money cards flipped over and people are going to simultaneously reveal their cards. And whoever shows the highest card will get first pick at taking the money. So technically the auction is only in the first part. But the second half is really fun, too. Uh, This is a great game. It's easy to teach. It's easy to play. And you can take it anywhere because it's just a deck of cards. So it had to be on my list. Auction bidding 
for sale. Yes, this this game is real good and would be my choice because I don't really like auction slash bidding games all that much. Or the ones I do like are like apparently super rare weird ones (laughs) that we picked up and you can't find. So I picked this is probably my heaviest game on the list. Um, And I went back and forth about it. But I feel like everyone I've introduced it to has enjoyed it. And that game is Nidavellir. Uh, Nidavellir, you are using your car, your coins, these coins that you have with numbers on them to bid to get your turn order to um, take cards from these different taverns. Um, And you're trying to get these dwarves, recruit these dwarves to score you points. And there's a bunch of different ways to score points, which is why I love, love, love this game. The artwork is also really cool. Um, Then you've got this little, like, it looks like stadium seating, in my opinion, of coins that you can upgrade your coins. So you're going to bid um, on three taverns. And then on your fourth, you're going to, um, wait, is that right? Yeah. No? Uh, There's only three, there's only three taverns. All right, I was right, I was right. Okay. And then with your fourth coin, you're going to upgrade it. You're upgrade to, you choose one to get higher number coins to help you go earlier when like in tavern picking when the bidding um, and those also can end up being points for you at the end. So it's just like a grab for points, but you are trying to like decide, okay, if I'm going to go this particular way with dwarves that maybe stack according to the Fibonacci sequence of points okay i want to go if they come out you know only one at this tavern i really need it i'm going to go high on that bid it's it's just basic good auction bidding in order to score points so it really isn't that difficult it just looks like it has a lot of pieces um so some people may feel overwhelmed when they first see it on the table but really in practice and play it is not that difficult um and after one play which really isn't that long because it has a set um, number of rounds, uh, it would be easy to set up and play it again. So my uh, choice for auction bidding is Nidavellir. Yeah, Nidavellir is a great game. Um, yeah, it, my only complaint with Nidavellir is it feels like it's always too short. So, yes. yeah, I wish it was a little bit longer, but maybe I don't want it to be longer because <laughs> maybe it wouldn't be as good. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. So, I mean, it just makes me play it more, which is cool. Yeah. All right, and the last one we're going to talk about is... Uh, I don't know. One of my favorites, apparently, because we have a lot of these games, and it's because we're from the Midwest. Games. It's why yeah, that's true, and it is trick taking. So, if you don't know what trick taking is, and if you've heard of a game Hearts Euchre, that kind of thing, trick taking is someone will play a card. Everyone else has to follow the suit of the card that was played. Highest card wins. There's usually a trump card or some like all powerful suit that you can play to take a trick that you can't follow suit in that's kind of how trick taking works and the one that i picked is i didn't like it at first but the more that i played it the more i really like it and that is cat in the box and this has all the standard trick taking tropes you're playing a card following suit but the rub in this one is all the cards have both no suit and every suit and you're going to determine the suit that the card is when you play it it's either going to be red yellow blue or green and then um, the red suit is always the trump suit. But once you decide that you can't follow suit, you're no longer ever allowed to play that suit. And you're going to mark the card that you played on this little center board, which also shows that card cannot be played. So if Katie plays a five of red, 
I cannot play a five of red because there's only one five of de- red in a deck of cards. The trick with this one is each of the su- the numbers in, in this game has six different instances. So there's going to be a time when you can't play. You have a paradox. All your tricks become negative points and it becomes a mess. And you're going to get points for all the tricks you take. If you get your bid correctly, you're also going to score points on this little the, on the center board with all your adjacent tokens. And you're going to play over a certain number of rounds to have most points to the winner. Uh, it's a fantastic game. Uh, the more I play it, the more I like it. It's it's kind of thinky, but it's also not really because at its heart, it's just a trick-taking game. Once you understand how the, the no-suit thing works and how the center board works, it's a piece of cake. So my trick-taking game, Cat in the Box. Yeah, I, I at first was like, especially because we get real, we're like 90s kids. We're total Gen Xers when it comes to new game hype we're like oh everybody's still a cat in a box it's just it's just like a card game what blah blah, blah. then we played it and we're like all right i kind of like that and we played it and then jason decided he really liked it after a second play and decided we had to own it and i still wasn't sold on it but the more we play it the more i'm like okay i stink at this game i paradox like literally every hand almost um but it is enjoyable. It's thinky, especially for people who are card players, trick takers. This is like a nice little like change for them that's still within their wheelhouse. And yes, we do have a ton of trick taking because we live in the Midwest. Um, everyone plays Euchre or Hearts or Spades that are all trick taking type games. But Euchre is big here. Um, so for us, a game that has trick taking, a card game is such an easy entry for a lot of people now mine i had trouble choosing because i love trick taking so much but i had to go with my asian theme my beautiful artwork and that's hagakure um more people need to play this game if they like trick taking games there are only two suits in this game samurai and townspeople samurai are always trump but then you've also got these old fools that when they are considered to be samurai and one is not going to do anything, but two or three or the fourth one played in a round, that's going to take it all. I think there's only three. Oh, yeah, three. So the third one played. <laughs> um, so it also has like a, a kitty. It's the you know, called the Yomi type. So there's cards out of play. So you don't know where all of them are. Um, you also have these um, tiles. Gosh, I know I know the name for them. I think they're called Nori. Nope, that's seaweed. Uh, uh, na- hang on, Nabari. Oh, yeah. Nori, yeah, you're right. That is seaweed. <laughs> yes, honey, I do know what that's called. Um, Nabari tokens that you, in order to not get negative points, you have to take at least one trick, which sometimes doesn't happen. So there's a Nabari token that'll give you, say, uh, zero, or that'll give you uh, double your points. Or we'll give you an extra point if you get so many villagers. Like, they just add a little extra spiciness. Um, and the artwork is cute, adorable. The cover, the box is beautiful. And it's just basic trick-taking. So once you explain the little differences, which are actually less confusing than, like, right and left bar and euchre, you can take off and go. Like, it's it's simple, um, easy to play, and so beautiful and cute and cheap. So my choice for trick-taking is Hagakure. Yeah, that is a good one. Um, it's pretty quick, too, and it has some adorable art. I do like that one. I don't like it as much as you, but I do like it. I know. 
there are other like um indulgence is another one that i really liked as well but i don't know if we knew that was readily available or not uh yeah i don't know that and my only knock on indulgence is it only plays four and yeah. i feel like at this point in time a trick-taking game should be able to play more than four yeah so uh Haga Korea plays five so all right in the box Yes. So those are, th- that is part two of games every gamer should own uh, for drafting, party games, tableau builders, auction and bidding, and trick taking. So, what about you? You got some better choices? We would love to hear them. Uh, give us a shout out on any of our socials. Um, I see a few things, and Jason tells me the rest. If you are upset by our choices, too bad. No, <laughs> just kidding. Come after us in the socials. We'll delete you. No. <laughs> we will respond. <laughs> I, I mean, I, ultimately, if you're upset about us talking about some games that we like, uh, maybe you're listening to the wrong podcast, <laughs> I guess. If you mistake us for someone who has a high level <laughs> of caring about uh, and uh, professionalism, you're listening to the wrong podcast. We're just pretty okay here. And all the games we picked are we think pretty okay so maybe you found something new to play maybe you're looking for something to kind of round out your collection um next episode we're gonna look at i don't know we're 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 gonna have a um rundown mechanics con coming up next week so we might hit another week or two of this we might have a, a recap of rundown mechanics con i don't know we'll see where the spirit leads <laughs> we will see I have nothing else to say. I've said a lot of weird stuff tonight. Yeah, I don't have much. YouTube's been a little slow, but I've just been busy. Uh, I'll try to get more rolling on that again, but there's enough videos there for you to watch. You'll be fine. Yeah, Jason, it's so, all going into a job, you know. Yeah, it's lame. I don't know how people do it. <laughs> yeah. One out of ten. Do not recommend. <laughs> do not recommend that five days a week. <laughs> Eight to well, five life. But still. <laughs> still. All right, well, I have been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.